Um, this is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at Talkin ACC Sports. That's at T A L K I N A C C Sports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at ASD underscore Hokey Smash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he introduces the podcast, and we welcome our guest. Welcome to this week in the ACC. This is Matthew. I'm your moderator. And this week we have AJ Black. He is a Boston College graduate. He is the owner of the Locked On BC podcast. That's Act Locked On BC. He's also the owner and operator of Eagles Insider, the Boston College Athletics 247 sports site. So we're really thrilled to have him here on the show tonight. Uh, Jeff. Can you give us? Can you give uh, our listeners an update on the ACC uh, base? Uh, I almost said the ACC baseball tournament. That's kind of a Freudian slip, right? With two ACC teams in the College World Series. Can you give us an update on the College World Series and the ACC teams' progress? And I've got to check in with. I got to check in here with AJ right now to make sure that he clicks on the invite. Okay. All right. Sounds good, Matthew. Yeah, a little run here. Uh, unfortunately, today, uh, the Virginia Cavaliers were eliminated by TCU. Um, they were the first team eliminated in the College World Series this year, and uh, it was just a tough break for the Hoos. Um, up 5-3 to three in the ninth inning uh, against Florida. They gave up three runs uh, in the ninth inning to lose that game, and, you know, that... You kind of felt like that was Virginia's opportunity there. Um, you know, even if they would have won today, uh, Florida is, is a fantastic ball club, number two seed in the tournament. And you felt like that was Virginia's chance that they let slip away. They gave up three home runs um, in the eighth and the ninth inning to end up losing that game. Uh, some question about Brian O'Connor and how he handled his uh, pitching staff in the in those late innings, but I mean, you know, when you position that, that often, uh, you're going to, you're going to not always get the result that, that you want in the college world series today. They played a very good TCU team and, uh, also lost another game by one, another one, another one run game to be eliminated. So a tremendous run by Virginia to get to Omaha, uh, didn't didn't quite turn out the way they had hoped, but um, we uh, Virginia's probably been the best. Uh, no, I wouldn't say probably, but they have been the best, most consistent ACC baseball program over the last ten years, and uh, they will be back. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, we had Wake Forest, number one team in the country. Um, Uh, they 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 are the uh, were the number one team in the country, <clears throat> and they had a really tough matchup with Stanford yesterday. All right, we see our guest uh, AJ uh, Black online now. So I'll just finish with Wake Forest uh, had a hard fought victory over Stanford yesterday, a, a late comeback uh, for Wake Forest in that game, and 
you know, if that's if you win, if you're Wake Forest and you have that kind of offense that they have, and your your bats were struggling yesterday, especially with two outs, Wake Forest, um, you know, they spent most of the game they left a lot of guys on base, and you still come away with a win. You got to be feeling good because you know that Wake Forest's bats are going to come alive. And so they defeated Stanford. They got a matchup with um, probably the uh, the third team at the College World Series that you feel like can win the national championship, uh, you know, between Wake Forest, Florida, and LSU. Uh, LSU is an outstanding baseball uh, team, and uh, that's going to be a great matchup. It's, it's a matchup you could see, um, you know, that, that's as good as what the national title game um, could be, in my opinion. So if, if Wake Forest can get by LSU tomorrow, you're going to love their chances. But that's, that's going to be a really tough matchup against them, two really great ball clubs going at it there. So unfortunately, the end of the, you know, the end of the journey came for Virginia, but Wake Forest is alive and well and very capable of winning it all. Uh, so, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you now. Yes, we have an awesome return guest on the show. It's A.J. Black. He's a Boston College graduate. He's the owner of At Locked On BC. That's the Boston College Athletics-specific podcast. He's the owner and operator of Eagles Insider, the Boston College Athletics 247 sports site. And, A.J., before we start, I gave you a lot of plugs there. Is there anything else that you want to plug, or is there anything specifically at any of these sites that you want to plug, man? Uh, I mean, I think you guys did a great job of plugging all my stuff. You can find me on YouTube as well, Locked On Beat. I mean, I can plug for all day, all day if you let me. You got but, it. Um, Locked years, on man. <laughs> Locked On BC's on YouTube. You can find it there. Um, an Eagle Insider. It's been crazy. Um, I've been since I've took it taken over at two four seven. I've really gotten some great access to the program. And uh, if you're into BC recruiting news, we have 50% off right now an annual VIP subscription. Come on over. It's been like we've had uh, nine commitments this month um, and I've been breaking all of it. I've had, you know, crystal balls, all that good stuff. You can sign up for a cup of coffee a month. So come on over to Eagle Insider if you're a BC fan. Outstanding. And And we know your work. We know your work. I mean, you've done work all over for years you were at bc yep. interruption before these before the before before these sites and before these major media sites yep. so you are our boston college expert you are the man yep yeah i mean i just i i just had uh if you want to check out a great episode we just had jeff Affley on uh locked on bc uh, about a week ago uh great episode two episodes actually talking to jeff um, and if you want to ke- catch his perspective of a really bad last year and how things are going to turn around for Boston College, uh, check that out. Outstanding, outstanding. So before we get into 2023 Boston College football, we just want to get yep. your brief thoughts on the on the finish by the 2022-2023 Boston College men's basketball team, which some may say turn out to be a fringe NCAA team next year. And I'll add this, AJ, the surest bet ever is to take Boston College over Virginia Tech in men's basketball. I've, I've mentioned this to Jeff. I, I I talked about this before about how, you know, I, I mentioned this several times to Matt Zemek and to uh, and to Jeff. I say, gosh, I'm worried, really worried about that BC game, and they kept telling me, why are you worried about that, Matthew? Why are you worried about that? And I was talking about BC, kind of like they were Kansas, kind of like they were Kansas, and sure enough, BC. <laughs> 
he swept Virginia Tech this year, and you know a lot of people probably won a lot of money on that. So anyway, I, the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean it was it was a tale of two cities last year for uh, BC. Uh, you know the season starts off on the wrong foot with Quinton Post going down, and really you got to see how valuable he was to that roster. Um, you know they lose to Maine, they lose to UNH and Tarleton State. Uh, the 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 vibe around the program after that was just so low. He comes back and you see a completely different team. You see a team competing in the ACC. You said you know as you said with Virginia Tech, they beat them twice. They beat UVA. They beat. Uh, Clemson, they had a whole bunch of ranked wins. Um, they look like a completely different team. And now he's back. Quentin Post is back. He stays healthy. Again, you have one of the best centers in the ACC. And you have some really good uh, supporting cast of characters next to him. Now, the only real big name I think BC's losing after last year is Makai Ashton Langford, uh, who was uh, you know, really developed into a really nice guard for them. But uh, Donald Hand, who missed all of last year, was a four-star uh, shooting guard who really should help stretch the floor for BC and be a real offensive threat. Uh, he blew his knee out around the same time Quentin Post went out, and we haven't seen him play really. And so, if he comes back, you got Post, you have you know Jaden Zachary and a bunch of other uh, guys from the last couple of years, and maybe you know we've seen Earl Grant developing guys already. If he can develop some of those younger guys coming in, they're bringing in um, a transfer from Charleston Southern who averaged 17 points a game. Uh, again, I don't, you know, I, I think Earl Grant has done a nice job of building a team that is a as a hard out no matter who they play against, and I expect that again next year. Outstanding recap, Jeff. You're up, friend. All right, thanks, Matthew. Uh, AJ, what are some of the major strengths coming back for Boston College football? I mean, I would look um, in terms of strengths. Uh, Good question. I, I think the the wide receiver position is going to be a, a position to watch. Now, you just lost Zay Flowers, and that and when you hear that, you're going, wow, how are they going to replace Zay Flowers? Well, they I think Halfley did a nice job of, of addressing that in the, in the transfer portal and developing guys on his roster. Uh, when, when you're talking about the wide receiver position, you got to start with Ryan O'Keefe, uh, transfer from UCF, had 150 catches over the last two years. He's going to be... Um, basically playing the role Zay Flowers played. Now, from what I've heard, talking to staff, talking, you know, uh, UCF folks, O'Keefe is faster than Zay Flowers. Now, Zay has other attributes that are more than just speed. But Ryan O'Keefe is is very fast. Um, and I think he's going to be a real stud to watch. Uh, you have him, you have Joseph uh, Griffin II, who played a lot last year. Uh, not a lot, but he played some big big snaps. You know, he had the game winning touchdown catch against NC state. Um, he's six, four, six, five, big wide receiver. He played hurt last year. He'll be back. You have Jade Williams. You have, uh, Dino Tomlin, Mike Tomlin's kid. You got a bunch of wide receivers. And what I really like is that, um, I have learned and kind of just covering this team, how valuable Daryl Wyatt, their wide receivers coach is. This is a guy that's recruiting his butt off. He just got a four-star uh, wide receiver out of Texas who had um, big-time offers, and he ended up there. He actually grabbed two kids from Texas because he's got Texas roots. Um, I think he's one of the best coaches on this team, and I think that wide receiver room is going to be one of the most talented BC has. All right. Now, on the other side of the coin, 
what are some of the major weaknesses for Boston College going into this year? In other words, what do you think the Eagles will, will be working on in August before the first game? You know, what are some of the questions that you think have to be resolved to have a successful season? I mean, the biggest question mark, and I I am on the positive end of this coin, it has to be the the offensive line. I mean, last year was one of the worst offensive line uh was some of the worst offensive line play I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not doing that to, to trash BC because BC had injuries up and down that line from Christian Mahogany to Kevin Klein to uh, the backups that came in. They were putting to converted defensive linemen in. So you can't like go into next year and say that's not a question mark. Now, you get Mahogany back. He's going to be first team all preseason by any metric because he's one of the best guards in the country. So basically, you're replacing a defensive lineman converted to an offensive lineman with an all-American all guard. That's a huge step in the right direction, right? You brought in two transfers. You brought in uh, Logan Taylor, a tackle from UVA, who played all last year. And you brought in a guard from Texas State. So you have a guard um, that I think, from Texas State, I think going to be a real talent he was one of bruce feldman's athletic freaks in the last couple of years uh he's got lots of um he's one of the strongest on the team from what i've heard uh and i you know when, again when you when you're replacing third string uh guys that were filling in last year, the guy like that you gotta feel like things are better but until you see it and it's and it's proven to you it's gonna be a question mark and, and it deserves to be a question mark so i think the offensive line will be the biggest question mark All right. And, you know, now let's look at, you know, who are some of the new recruits or players in the transfer portal that have impressed you the most? Um, are there any that you think will get some major playing time right away? And, you know, one of the players that you mentioned last year, um, you know, no longer with Boston College on NFL. I mean, Zay Flowers, he was a he was a guy that I think every fan in the ACC was happy to see how it turned out for me. He had so many opportunities, you know, potential opportunities to transfer. He stayed at, you know, at Boston College and turns into a first round pick. Uh, so, you know, sometimes it's the players that stay that make a big difference, too. And, and, and that, I thought that was, that was just a really neat thing to see Zay Flowers just move all the way up those draft boards. I loved I loved the Zay story, you know, like, just, I mean, everyone, I think, knows the whole um NIL transfer portal piece, but even recently, right? So he's drafted by the Baltimore Ravens. He's doing all the NFL stuff. BC, uh, was it two weekends? It was last weekend. Last weekend had one of their biggest weekends for field visitors. As I mentioned, there's a four-star wide receiver. They had like four wide receivers on campus. So what do they do? They get Zay to come back. Zay comes back on campus immediately. You know, he's in the NFL. He's got a million things going on and he's at Boston College. That tells you what kind of player he is. He's like, it's it's not just lip service. This guy is the real deal. And and I think BC fans are so excited to see what he can do. I'm a Pats fan, you know, born and bred. And I'm so excited to see what he does for the Ravens because I think he's going to be so electric for them. So there was a second part to your question. I completely lost it. Um, you asked me, uh, oh, new recruits and players in the transfer portal. Yeah, so, sorry, Pat, I, I was the one who derailed that question, but that was a great story on Zay Flowers. Yeah, yeah. So 
new recruits, there's going to be a lot. I am players. I think you're going to want to watch transfer portal BC. So over the last two seasons, I think BC landed seven or eight transfer portals players total. This last season, they just landed 10 just one year. So Halfley's Halfley kind of, he, every time we talk to him, if you listen to my, my interview with him, he hasn't changed his view on the transfer portal, but actions speak louder than words, I think. And you saw that BC having a whole bunch of holes that they needed to address and they did it. So on the defensive backfield, I think that's where you're going to see a lot of uh, talented players. Alex Washington uh, coming in from Harvard was all Ivy league two years in a row. Uh, he's, three from Alabama. Um, I expect him to be one of their starting cornerbacks. You're going to see uh, uh, Victor Nelson Jr. from LIU as a safety. Again, 6'3". You're going to start to see a, a theme here with some of the guys that they're going there. Um, you're going to see Kari Johnson from Arkansas. Again, so three defensive backfield guys. They lost a couple guys that were starting last year, but a lot of them have a lot of length, and I think that's going to be really important for them. So the defensive backfield is going to be really um, filled with new new names, and and I, there'll be some uh, true freshmen out there too, like Carter uh, Carter Davis and uh, KP Price, um, who both will be con, uh, competing for the safety jobs. Uh, you'll also see, as I said, Ryan O'Keefe. But the name that I want to throw out there for you guys to watch, and I said the two offensive linemen, the name I think you guys should watch is the new quarterback they brought in, it was Thomas Castellanos from uh, UCF. And he is a former, uh, I think he was a three-star uh, quarterback, fast as heck. But they didn't bring this guy in to be a backup. They brought this guy in to compete with Emmett Moorhead, the starting quarterback from the end of last year. Now, will he beat him? I don't think so. But it could be something worth watching. And this is the kind of guy you want to get the ball in his hands. So if Moorhead struggles or anything happens, this is a guy that you're going to want to watch. His name is Thomas Castellano. So I think that's the name I would watch for as well. All right. Very good, AJ. Um, let's look at the Boston College schedule. Uh, what are the two most important games on BC schedule this year? And, you know, give us your thoughts on those games and then give us what you think uh, Boston College's overall record will be. Sure. So two games I think of as most important. Well, any, any, every game is going to be most important for them this year. But uh, the two games I want, I, I'm very interested to see, I think are going to be the Louisville game week four. Um, because I, I expect BC to get clobbered by Florida State the week before, and um, I, I expect them to win the first two games. So it's going to be a big difference if, you know, it feels different and it, and it sets up for a whole different feel for BC. If they could win against Louisville and be a 3-1 at that point instead of 2-2. Two and two. Um, And it really will show where BC's at because you start the year off with NIU, who's not very good, and Holy Cross, who's a FCS school. And then you have Florida State, who's in another stratosphere right now. So you don't really get a good test of what BC, you know, a team that probably is more in the middle of the ACC, if they're playing well, will be like until you face a Louisville. So Louisville would be my first game I would look at. The second one I think is really important is Syracuse. Syracuse has been BC's, more so Jeff Halfley's arch nemesis since joining the ACC. Uh, it's joining the uh, not joining the ACC since he's become head coach. They get them on a Friday night in Syracuse. Um, it's after it's a short week. Uh, I, I'm really interested to see what this game is going to look like because you know 
I, I, I don't expect Syracuse to be that much better than BC this year. So this should be a really good game on the road on a Friday night. That's the other game I'm going to watch. I think it's very critical for BC. In terms of record, ooh, this is a tough one because um, I, I've seen a lot of folks really uh, tough on BC. And I have my theory. So BC under Jeff Halfley is 6-5 six and five and 6-6 six and six and then 3-9. and nine. But I cannot undersell enough how much that offensive line last year derailed literally every part of their game. Because when you can't keep your offense on the field, you can't run the ball at all. I mean, Patrick Garwa was getting hit three yards behind the, the line of scrimmage every time he touched the ball. You had the quarterback getting hit. I mean, Phil Jakovic, it, it, um, you know, the poor guy was getting hit constantly to the point that he got hurt and, and missed the end of the season, right? So that impacts the offense. Then the defense has to do too much because they can't get off the field. Then you're putting too much pressure on your special teams. It was, su- I mean, when your offensive line is so bad, it just makes it, 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 you just take any concept of what you have for a team and just throw it out the window because it just impacts it that much. Now, I, from what I've heard and what I've seen, I think the offensive line is going to be greatly improved. They got rid of Dave DiGuglielmo, their offensive line coach. They got rid of John McNulty, their offensive coordinator, who had to go. Both of them were not good fits. They brought back Matt, Matt, Matt Applebaum. BC fans are, are tough on him, but I think he's much better than Googs. I, I think the offensive line, especially because you bring back Mahogany, Drew Kendall improved throughout the year. Ozzie Trapillo improved, and then you have a ton of depth that you can bring in to play those other two positions. The offensive line, I think, will be above average to good, I think, because I think they're going to get that much better. If that happens with the way this schedule is, is built, you don't have Clemson. You don't have Notre Dame as an out-of-conference team this year. Your out-of-conference schedule is NIU, Holy Cross, UConn, and Army. And I know UConn BC last year, but they did it by the skin of their teeth, and that was because, again, BC couldn't block at all. I don't have any – I have no I, – I, I'll be – I'll put myself out there and say BC's going to beat them easily this year. You have four really bad <laughs> out-of-conference games. That's four wins right there. You also play a lot of bad ACC teams, uh, teams I don't, I don't, I am not buying in on, such as Virginia, Georgia Tech. Um, Virginia Tech, I don't think is going to be much better. Uh, give me, I, I'm ready for Pittsburgh and Miami. We'll have to wait and see. So I could, I, I'm going to be. Uh, I hate saying it because I like I'm gonna sound like a honk, but I I don't think eight and four is that out of the possibility because I think when you look at they have talent and depth at a lot of different positions. As long as Emmett Moorhead can manage the game, they'll be able to run the ball again, which we didn't see last year. I think the defense you have Donovan Azaraku and some really talented players that are really starting to develop on there. Um, I think they're going to be a better team than many people are. Expecting. I'm going to go with eight and four. All right, I'm going to turn it over to you, Matthew, now as we close out the podcast for our last couple questions. So, AJ, thank you again for joining us tonight, and thank you again for flipping your schedule for us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Give us the state of the Boston College football program. Like, what are your bloggers, fans, alumni, friends of the program, what are they all thinking of the status of the program? Oh, man, yes, the million-dollar question right now. Um, it, it's, it's dire. <laughs> so as someone who covers the, not just 
recruiting, but the football program, I get to, I get a sense of uh, kind of seeing what both happen. Right. So up until this month, just as you know, covering recruiting, you can kind of tell where the state of a program is at by the interest of recruits. Until the start of June official visit season, BC had one commitment and it was a kid that's brother is on the team and he committed last year in January. That was it. And so you could kind of sense that there was something amiss that things weren't like driving, but you're starting to see more. So you're, you're starting to see some more excitement. BC's landed 10 commitments, I think in the month of June. Um, and they've gotten some, they've got a handful of guys that are really impressive and, and um, with multiple big offers. The fans, they, before the month of June, saw the recruiting news. They saw what's going on, and they were worried. I think there's a lot of uh, concern about Jeff Halfley. I think that some folks are thinking that he's not the answer. And, I mean, he had it. I mean, you can't, even the biggest Jeff Halfley apologist cannot uh, wipe away the fact that he bungled the, the construction of that offensive line last year. Like, he didn't. He lost four guys in, in to the NFL draft and didn't land anyone in the transfer portal. That was a big mistake. And he, I think he learned from it. That's good. So I think that's a big thing with Halfway. I think he's learning a lot. He's he's a younger coach. So I think there's a lot of that. I think there's a lot of skepticism around the program. Um, but I also again I go back to I don't think I don't think the fans and bloggers enough uh put the put enough emphasis on how much that offensive line issue blasted that team last year. Because I think the, the team was solid behind that, but that issue was so bad. And again, that's on Halfley. I'm not, not you know, dismissing that. And that, you know, that's the second year in a row. The year before, they didn't have a quarterback behind Djokovic, and that killed him. I think a lot of fans are skeptical, and they're wondering, okay, so maybe he did fix the offensive line. Maybe we do have a backup quarterback in Thomas Castellanos now. What is, what are we missing here? What is going to be the Achilles heel on this team? Because it's been happening year after year. Halfley's been Halfley's been preaching depth on this team that he's built depth, and as someone who covers the team, sees who he's brought in, sees what he's developing, I I agree that he's done it. I I think what everyone just needs the the overall feeling is we got to see it, prove it on the field. I think this is a a put up or shut up year because. You know, if BC, you know, does well, Halfley's stock is going to skyrocket again because he's a likable guy. He's a smart coach. He's personable. He's a good recruiter for BC. He's he's everything that B wants, but he hasn't shown it yet on the field or put together a team that brings it to that level. Because right now, through three years, it's the exact same things that we've seen with Steve Adazio, right? Just Steve Adazio was a jerk. So it's a bit of a different feel. So I think this is this, especially with the way the schedule uh, kind of un, un, unrolled this year with, you know, nothing in the out of conference schedule. It's a huge year that BC just needs to build some momentum. I couldn't have said that better. AJ. that was, that was very, very well said. Open microphone time, AJ. The floor is yours. Anything under the Oh, I can talk about anything? You can talk about anything, man. Almost <laughs> almost anything. Uh, well, We're yeah, I'm not going to talk about show. anything. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I want to shout out BC baseball while I have a chance. Uh, it was, I, I don't cover BC baseball. I'm one guy. And I, and as I've said on my podcast, a bunch covering BC football is a, is a, is a side hustle for me, both of the podcast and covering this, this, the site. Um, so I don't have enough time to cover the baseball team, but it was so much fun to have a baseball program that legit looked like an ACC level program all year long. They won 30 plus games. They had the most wins in team history uh, tied and they just, uh, they just um, extended head coach Mike Gambino for five years. So it was a lot of fun and uh, you know, bird balls back. So I think that was fun. Uh, I want to also shout out all the dads out there. I know this is probably going to go out after the fact, but any other dads out there um, I've, I've been building my own little Boston college fans. Um, my little guy is uh, dying to go to a BC football game again this year. He came with me last year to a BC Rutgers, the BC Rutgers game which was uh, the worst way I could ever get. Well, it's more, the more appropriate way of getting him into BC football because that was an absolute gut punch. Um, <laughs> I had to explain to him, well, you know, this happens. And, and then as the season goes on, yeah, BC lost. And he, he looked at me last week and goes, Dada, I, I, you know, he's, he's not even five. He goes, Dada, BC loses all the time. <laughs> and I go, yeah, they do. They do. Uh, so I want, I want to get him back to a game and um, I think it's going to be a fun season for BC. There's a lot of interesting players coming up and uh, check me out on Eagle Insider. Outstanding. AJ, I'm going to use my open microphone to ask you a question. What do you think mm-hmm. about the Bob Huggins? What do you think about the Bob Huggins decision at WV? Uh, he had to go, man. I mean, that whole situation was a mess. And after the whole comments, you know, the, the, the inappropriate comments he made on that radio show, he should have been, they, they slapped him on the wrist for that. And then when, when you get popped for a DUI, like he just did um, and with the history that he's had, man, it, you had to move on and it's going to be um, WV made the right move. Like I just hope he finds the help he needs. Cause that, I mean, the fact that he got behind the wheel with the blood level that he did, is scary. A lot of people were at risk because of his decisions. Now he's a guy that seriously looks like he's a lot of help right now. So hopefully he figures that out. I wrote about that at the site and you encapsulated my thoughts pretty well at 0.21 and 6.5 to 40. He probably put down about 14 or 16 beer, 14 or 16 beers. He, he was pretty, he was pretty, he was pretty gone behind that wheel. And from what I understand, he was near the Taylor Swift concert area. Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you one thousand. With you one thousand percent, Jeff. You're up. Yeah, I don't really have a open mic rant, but just something to to talk about real quick. Um, you know, the the ACC's media rights agreements all tied in with Raycom and and all that. I think we're all aware of that. But an interesting story came out this week that I'm a little bit surprised not more people have have covered it because specifically it could really affect uh, basketball um, in in football to a certain extent. And and we aren't talking about like the best games, you know, that are being played in the ACC. You know, these are not your top end games, but um, with the diamond sports group, which is the parent company of Bally sports um, has basically come to an agreement that they would not televise those uh, 
ACC sporting events, and that includes one football game uh, a weekend and a couple of men's basketball games a week. And so right now there's three football games at the beginning of the year that basically have no televised home. And uh, they have to reach, I think, a court decision so that Raycom is released to find other um, distribution avenues for those games. Uh, You know, these are kind of like low-end football games, but when it comes to basketball, I mean, those are a couple men's games a week and uh, conference games, and and right now they don't really have a home form. What possibly could happen is in the past, um, ESPN has said it was cost prohibitive to purchase those games back from from Raycom. Um, But who knows if they can get those games back on the cheap and you know, get those games back cheaply and have all of the ACC's, you know, content under one roof instead of, you know, under the remnants of this, um, you know, not very good. (laughs) I think, I don't think anyone would disagree with this. The the remnants of this ugly deal with, with Raycom, that's not going to end until 2027, but um, that's something to keep an eye on over the next couple months is who does Raycom end up distributing these, football and basketball games with and and as we all know they also had the acc baseball and acc women's basketball tournament until this year and then those got all put under the acc network and espm and that was was such a bonus Um, i mean if you watch those events to have them all under the acc network was such a big bonus compared to the way those events had been covered in the past so i'm kind of I'm rooting that these games uh, end up under ESPN and the ACC network rather than them go over the air or distributed to some, you know, other regional cable channel or some streaming service. Just put it all under ESPN. I hope that's how it ends up. But right now, we don't know where those games will end up. Good open mic, Jeff. And I'll ask I'll ask AJ one more question here, and I'll ask you the same question, Jeff. Are you guys going to be watching the Canadian Football League until until college football starts? Because I can tell you that I am going to be doing that. AJ? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm sorry. I got I to think. I got, I'm stuck for it, man. I got to get some football in. Jeff? Um, you know what I will say is I, I almost watched absolutely none of the USFL and uh, XFL this spring. The Canadian football season does start. I actually start really start hankering for football, so I do watch a little bit of it, and I do You're expect right. <laughs> I, I, I won't watch a ton. Don't get me wrong; I won't, I, I won't schedule my day around it. But if, if if it's on ESPN and and there's nothing else on, I probably will watch some of it, and definitely more than SFL and XFL. Very well, very well, AJ. Thank you for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show, and we'd love to have you come on in the season. All right. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Have a great week, guys.